you're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast. Today's message is brought to you by our elder candidate, Adam McLeod. Privileged to be up here today and uh, just to lead us in worship through looking at God's Word. And uh, I'm also privileged to be able to teach on um, Advent, which is a subject that's very important, especially to us during this time of year. I kind of made a list here. We've got lights, we've got wreaths, we've got um, sweaters, songs, movies, um, yule logs, whatever that is, fruitcake, right? People like fruitcake. Um, maybe there's a play that involves a nutcracker that uh, is kind of a Christmas tradition. Um, what else is there? You saw, if if any of you were at the parade last night, you saw all of the hoopla and stuff going around at the very end. There was a guy in a red suit. Some of you might know him, Santa. Okay, he knows you, if, even if you don't know him, okay? So there's all these different traditions that uh, that surround this season. And so for us as believers, it can be confusing for us to kind of cipher through, you know, what's beneficial, what's going to help us celebrate this season for what it really uh, represents. And so it's kind of difficult for us to decipher through. I mean, even if if you're just starting your family, you know, we have some young couples in here. It's like, what traditions do we want to have every year that we do? Um, you know, what is going to point our family towards Christ during this season? Um and so, like I said, there's so many options out there that it can be very difficult to to find out what it is. Um, and so that's why uh, Jen and I have tried to be creative and 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 you know trying to set the scene for our kids and even for ourselves and what Christmas represents. And so we've just kind of come up with some different ways to celebrate that. Uh, I think last week she shared that we started last year going out to a field at night. And looking up at the stars and just simply trying to pretend what it would have been like for the shepherds in the middle of the night just to be sitting there, you know, shepherding their flock. And then all of a sudden, you know, a multitude of angels come and announce the birth of Christ. And so it may have been cruel, but we took a headlamp and we just turned it on in their face and said, the glory of the Lord is shown upon you, you know. Um, so. Just different ways like that to kind of communicate not only to our kids but also to ourselves. This is what this season is about. And so let's try to put ourselves in the middle of what it would have been like to celebrate the, the arrival of Christ. This thing is still not cooperating. All right, let's go to our notes. Ay, ay, ay. It's just frozen. All right, so um, the first line in your notes there. For us as believers, we need to realize that there is a battle going on over Christmas and what it represents. For us as believers, we need to realize that there is a battle going on over Christmas and what it represents. 
So at some point, non-believers, the rest of the world, have, in a sense, hijacked Christmas in this season, a season that is um, filled with thoughts of joy and peace and hope. The world has taken this season and turned it into this uh, consumer-driven season of go shopping. Try to fill your God-given desire for peace, hope, and joy with things made out of plastic and metal. And for us as believers, we have to make sure that we ourselves aren't giving into the world's idea of what Christmas represents. Thank you, my lovely assistant. This is good. I've covered some stuff. That's good. Okay, so I, I do need to say this real quick. A disclaimer, I'm not going to tell you how to celebrate Christmas, okay? What, what we're doing today is not, if you're doing this, stop it. If you're not doing this, start it, okay? But my desire is for us to figure out how to celebrate as we worship Christ through this season, okay? So we're not going to, this isn't a 10-step process of, of do this during this season, but it is make sure that whatever you're doing, whether it doesn't involve Scripture, um, like our time together on Christmas Eve night watching Swiss Family Robinson, we're together as a family, and, and that is good too. That's good for us to be together and to celebrate in that way. But but make sure that what you're doing points you towards Christ um, and points you towards what this season represents because it's so important for us as believers, okay? Um, I don't know if you've seen the title, but it's pretty catchy, and I came up with it, okay? An adventure full of anticipation, okay? If you don't know what Advent is, you might wonder why I put a, a little hyphen in between adventure, okay? Advent is a word that you begin to hear more and more around the holiday season. Um, and the reason for that is because Advent is something that uh, began a long time ago, and it really is just a word that represents the season of anticipation for Christ's coming, okay? Advent represents the season of anticipation for Christ's coming. It's helpful to know that the word Advent means coming, okay? So it is kind of an umbrella over this time in December before Christmas Day, okay? So the origins of Advent aren't completely... Um, known. However, um, I know the Catholic Church celebrates Advent um, by using candles starting the fourth Sunday from Christmas. There's like this logarithm that you use to figure out when to start Advent, but it's the fourth Sunday before Christmas. You light a candle, and each 
following Sunday leading up to Christmas, you light a candle, and each candle represents joy or hope and just really meant to kind of, in a way, center your heart on Christmas um, and the importance of it for us as believers. So that's kind of the traditional understanding of Advent. But even Protestants uh, like ourselves can celebrate Advent by simply focusing our hearts on the anticipation of Christ's coming. Okay, so that's kind of what we're going to define Advent as uh, today and use Advent for. There's freedom. We can use the same words as them, right? And, yeah, so don't be stingy with the word Advent. So that's kind of where how we're going to use the word Advent today, that season of anticipation for Christ's coming, okay? Um, so the ultimate goal for Advent is just simply to worship Christ. Um, the season that we're in, just really the the goal for these weeks leading up to Christmas is for us to focus our hearts on Christ and what he's done, his coming, and, and to worship him because of what's happened. Okay? So... Like I said earlier, anything that you do within those perimeters, as long as it's pointing us towards worshiping Christ during this season, it fits the mold. Okay. Um, one of the best ways for us to achieve the goal of worshiping Christ during this season is for us to identify ourselves in the anticipation of Christ's coming. Okay, so what I want us to do today as we go through different passages is I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the people that we're reading, that we're, that we're looking at, that we're hearing from. Try to put yourself in their place, okay, in the same way that, you know, you've heard the phrase, try to put yourself in my shoes kind of deal. Like, identify yourself with these people so that you can see and feel some of the same things that they felt and some of the same things that they saw, some of the same questions that they had, some of the same longings and desires that they had. Put yourself in their place so that we can grow in our anticipation for Christ's coming, his first and second coming, okay? So let's turn first to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. All right, once you're set there, our first point is during Advent, we can look forward to our coming Savior. During Advent, we can look forward to our coming Savior. Okay, Genesis chapter 3. This is, if we're putting ourselves in the place, if we're putting ourselves in Genesis chapter 3, here's, here's something that we know about our coming Savior. Savior. Chapter 3, verse 14. So this is kind of, this is right after Adam and Eve are 
tempted by the serpent, by Satan, and and give in to disobedience. Um, and now God is addressing Satan. He's addressing the serpent. And he says, verse 14, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And then he says, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first mention, the first foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. Right after Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden, God says, this is my plan. You guys didn't ruin what my plan was. This was my plan all along, and I'm going to send someone who will defeat Satan. In the, in, the, in the moment when Satan feels most victorious over what he's done and over what he's wrecked, God says, I'm going to defeat you. So at the, at the moment when he feels most victorious, at the same time, he feels the most defeated. Because God says, I'm going to send someone to defeat you. And this is my plan. This has been my plan all along. So this is the first. Also, this is also the first time where there's this anticipation. So I mean, imagine that you're Adam and Eve, and you've just ruined. I mean, you just. You, it's, for the first time, you feel naked and ashamed and and afraid of who God is, and then before God even addresses you to say this is going to be your punishment, He says, "I'm going to send a rescuer. I'm going to send someone to redeem my people." Okay. So this is the first moment of anticipation for all of mankind, okay? Next is Isaiah 7:14. These these are just simply prophecies. Prophecies of Christ coming. And again, put yourself in the place of, of these people, okay? Or put yourself in the place of Isaiah. There hasn't, there's no savior. The nation of Israel has been up and down. You know, uh, there's been uh, waves of disobedience, and then there's been waves of, um, you know, giving in to to other nations and and their gods. And Isaiah says in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Okay, so this is a prophecy from Isaiah. And then Isaiah 9, 6 For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Okay, so 
Isaiah again, he's prophesying. There's coming a savior. These are these are the names that he'll be called. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. There's someone is coming. Someone is coming to fix this. We have a king coming. We have a, a father, a prince of peace. He's coming. He's on his way. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know where. He's coming. We need him. We know that. He's coming. Isaiah 53. This entire chapter points towards Christ. We're putting ourselves in the place of these people. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. Verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. So here now it's transitioning into what he has done. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah says these things in the past tense as if it's already happened. But if you're there during Isaiah's time, you're saying, when did it happen? What's going on? Like, I don't know who you're talking about. The things that you're saying I need, the things that you're saying I desire, I need to have this, but I don't know what's going on. Even Isaiah himself, even though he's prophesying this, he still doesn't totally understand what's going to happen or, or, or when it's going to happen or, or who it's going to be. And so there's this anticipation that continues to build. Someone's coming. Someone's going to arrive. Someone's going to fix this. Someone's going to bear our, our iniquity. Someone's going to pay the price for us. Someone's going to do this. Someone's coming to save, to rescue us. And so it continues to build. And, and again, if you're not putting yourself in this, you needed this. This happened for you. This happened to redeem you, to rescue you. So this anticipation is something that we need to, to put ourselves in the middle of. Okay, We were in need of this to happen. The next passage is Micah 5.2. You don't have to turn there because it's really short. I'll just read it to you. It's another prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem... Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me. One who is to be ruler in Israel. One whose coming forth is from of old. From ancient days. So there's one coming. And his coming has been happening from the very beginning. His coming started at the very beginning. There's someone coming. And so. The anticipation for us now is still there in the middle of the Old Testament, in the middle of these prophecies that point towards Christ. 
So this is what most of the people during that time had to go on. There were other prophecies that didn't pertain specifically to like the virgin birth, but there there were other prophecies of one to come out of King David's line, like uh, a branch that would come from the stump of Jesse. So there are other prophecies, and so it's like, when is this going to happen? When is our king coming? When are things going to be made right? When When is God going to be the the king and ruler of all of this and going to fix things? When is it going to happen? Okay. So during Advent, we can look forward to our coming Savior, like we said. Okay, we're going to take a step forward here. During Advent, we can appreciate the complexity of God's plan. We can appreciate the complexity of God's plan. I'm going to sum up a lot of what we just heard in the passages from Isaiah, from Micah, from Genesis. Here's what we know. Whoever he is, he'll defeat Satan. He'll be born of a virgin. He'll be with us. Okay? He'll be for us. He'll be wonderful, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. Apparently he'll be rejected by the world. He'll bear our, punish, he'll bear our punishment that we deserve. He's going to come out of one of the smallest clans of Judah. And his arrival is ancient news. Like, apparently it's been building us. It happened a long time ago, and it's, or it was announced a long time ago, and it's going to happen. So if that's what we have to go on, we still don't fully understand what all this means or when it's going to happen. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. I think that this passage really helps us now to understand what the prophets were thinking back then. Got to move around. I'm getting a little chilly up here. Chapter 1, verse 10. Okay. Verse 10 says, Concerning this salvation, which he just talked about uh, in the previous verses, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully. So Isaiah and these guys and even the other prophets, you know, they're looking at at the prophecies about Christ and they're wondering, you know, they're anticipating. When is this going to happen? You know, when when is God going to make this right? When is he going to come and be our king? For forever, okay? It says, the things that they inquired, verse 11, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. All right, so God's messengers, they're wondering, who's it going to be? When's it going to happen? What's going to happen? Where's it going to happen? They don't know, but they're wondering these things. So, we kind of have a window into what these guys were thinking to help us get into the shoes of them. To say, our Savior hasn't come yet. This wonderful counselor, this mighty God, where is he right now? When is he going to come? 
when is he going to bear our transgressions? Okay, so the anticipation continues. So during this season, for us, on this side of Christ's coming, we can appreciate the complexity of God's plan, which should truly lead us to worship Christ more fully during this season, to say, you had a perfect plan. The prophets knew that you had a perfect plan, and they anticipated when that plan would be, would be accomplished. And so the more we put ourselves into the shoes of those prophets, into uh, you know, the nation of Israel, the people who truly were looking for a Savior, looking for a Messiah, we can worship Christ more fully during this season. Right after that, in verse 12, we can all be thankful that those guys weren't just left out in the dark. It says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which, angle, angles, things into which angels long to look. So, ultimately, those guys realized that they weren't going to know fully in their time, but that what they were doing, the things that they were communicating from God, were ultimately for those to come. For people like us. For people like, we'll look at in a little bit, Simeon and Anna, who were looking for Christ who were anticipating Christ when Christ came. So the prophets were serving those people who were to come, and and that was revealed to them. But also, the very last thing we said, things into which angels long to look. So even angels are thinking, what's going on? We know that God has a plan, but how he will work that out, we don't know. But still, the angels are left thinking, this is awesome. Like, you know, I can't completely give you the perspective of an angel, um, as good as I may think I am. But even the angels were anticipating what was going to happen, how his plan was going to be accomplished for, for Christ, for the Messiah, for our salvation. Okay, so we said during Advent we can appreciate the complexity of God's plan. Third, during Advent, we can find out, this is a long one, find out about Christ's birth for the first time. During Advent, we can find out about Christ's birth for the first time. Okay, remember we said that the goal of Advent is to worship Christ. Okay? We've, we've said today that we're going to put ourselves in the place of those who were anticipating Christ so that we can meet the goal of worshiping Christ during this season. Okay? So, turn to Luke chapter 2. We've got some... Uh, 
first-person perspective here on what it's like to find out about Christ's birth for the first time. Okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And again, let's remember, the last time someone heard directly from the Lord was 400 years before. Okay? So... The people we're about to look at have been faithful for the last 400 years. Well, they haven't been alive for 400 years. But obviously their family has been faithful to pass down this anticipation for the coming Messiah for 400 years. The last time that, that we've heard directly from God through a prophet, it's been 400 years. Okay, So Luke chapter 2, verse 25 now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Then it says, waiting for the consolation, or it can also be interpreted comfort, of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in he came and he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. So he sees Jesus, and his reaction is to run up and grab him and hold him. I mean if 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 a couple came in with a, a child, I mean, it would be extremely strange for me to just run up and just grab their child. But it shows the confidence that Simeon had in a Savior who was coming. That he knew that a Savior was going to come. He was anticipating it to the degree that he was on the lookout. And when he saw Christ, he ran up and he grabbed him and he blessed God. He was, he was excited about it. He had put himself in a place where his heart was longing for a Savior. Okay? Right after that, he says, this is what he says to God. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon is a good example to us of anticipation. Keep going down just to verse 36. There's another example that we have of someone being, of anticipating the coming of Christ faithfully. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak, to him, and to speak of him Listen to this. To all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Apparently, Anna's not the only one. There's a group of people 
who were anticipating Christ's arrival, who were looking for a Savior, who were longing for a rescuer to come, to redeem them, to make things right. So as soon as Anna finds out, she goes to those people. Again, it's been 400 years since we've had a word from the Lord. And now this has happened. And there are people who are still anticipating and longing for that Savior to come. Okay? We're building up this anticipation even for ourselves. You don't have to turn here, but this is one example that we have that most of us don't think of, and it's the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, this is what their question was. This is a question that they had. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he at? We know he's here. We want to see him. We know that he is coming. We know that he is here. Where is he? Okay. We're not exactly sure where these guys are from. They're from the east. We don't know how far east. Five miles? Five hundred miles. We know that they traveled a long way. Five miles might be long back then. They had camels. But wherever they were from, they were anticipating a savior. They weren't in the middle of Bethlehem. They were anticipating the coming of a savior from probably believers who were part of the Babylonian captivity. Like several hundred years ago. Possibly even thousands. I don't have my timeline here. However, the anticipation for them continued through generations to the point that they were looking up into the heavens, waiting for the heavens to show them the sign that the Messiah was here, that the King was here, that the Savior was here. These are good examples for us. To follow examples of faithful anticipation, longing for a Messiah. And especially during this season, like we said, our goal during this season is to worship Christ. And if we fail to look at these examples and to identify ourselves in these examples and our need for a savior, then we're missing out on a ton of just praise for God and for what he's done. Got in my notes. Christmas becomes all the more joyful the more we recognize our need for a Savior and how that need is met through Christ's birth, through his first coming. Christmas can be so much more meaningful for us as believers when we realize that we needed Jesus to be born. That we needed a Savior to come. We needed that to happen. It's not all cute and warm and fuzzy. It's true. And it's happened. And we needed it to happen. And no matter how the world disguises this season and puts their twist on this season, as believers, we need to be faithful to focus our hearts on what it truly represents. Or we're going to find ourselves on the wrong side of the battle. 
think I'm getting a little into my application, but it's good. All right, so during Advent, we can find out about Christ's birth for the first time. Fourth, during Advent, we can enjoy our own season of anticipation. We can enjoy our own season of anticipation. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. All right, we're in our own season of anticipation. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We are anticipating his coming. We are in the shoes of Simeon, of Anna, of the prophets who are longing, who are waiting, who are anticipating his coming. We are those people. He's come once and he's coming again. And we don't need to be found Like the shepherds sitting in the field, oblivious. Not not looking, not waiting, but just sitting there. I'm not trying to be mean to the shepherds. They're cute. I love the shepherds. One day I hope to be a shepherd of a different type of flock. But the shepherds are just sitting there. We... We... We are anticipating another coming, but how are we anticipating it? Are we being faithful? Are we? Do we have an expectant anticipation? I want to turn. I want you to turn to Titus two. I know Tyson read it earlier, and it's just awesome, and it just shows how much Tyson and I just are like each other because it's the very same passage. Titus two, verse eleven. Titus 2, verse 11. Again, we're during Advent, we can enjoy our own season of anticipation. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting. For our blessed hope, which is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We are those people who are waiting. We are those people.
I think it would be wise of us, as we seek to worship Christ during this season, to make sure that we are following the example of those who have gone before us, of those who have experienced a time of anticipation before us. Um, the application for this, like I said earlier, the application today for us is kind of wrapped up in all of our points as we seek for ourselves to worship Christ during this season by placing ourselves in the position of those who are anticipating Christ's arrival both both his first coming and his second coming and i and i pray and i desire for us to do that to be faithful to do that so that this unique season isn't wasted for us in our own relationship with Christ and in truly adoring him but at the same time Advent is a season where we also have the opportunity to reach out to non-believers who are desiring hope and who are desiring peace and comfort. Like we said earlier, we were some of us who were at the parade last night. I mean, it was packed full of parents and kids. Um, and they were they were celebrating the season, whatever that season was to them. They were excited about it. There was candy being thrown. There were cookies. I mean, it was a, it was a fun time. Um, our family was there. We had our kiddos. But the source of their hope, joy, and peace is simply something that's been conjured up in their mind of what provides hope, joy, and peace. We have the message of what truly is the source of hope, joy, and peace. Not a fleeting hope, but a sovereign hope. An everlasting joy that's not happy. It's not a happiness. It's not a roller coaster and peace that goes beyond all understanding. Peace that allows us as believers not to be afraid of death, but to see death as a good thing. The world is longing for the source of peace, joy, and hope, and we have the answer to that longing. This is a prime time for believers to be reaching out to those around us. Jesus' first coming was good news, and it was good news for everybody, but his second coming won't be good news for everybody. It'll be terrible news for a lot of people, and some of those people work with you, and some of those people go to school with you, and some of those people live with you. And if our desire isn't for their God-given 
desires to be met through Christ, then I think we're missing out on the reason that Christ came. Our Savior wasn't born for us to be focused in on ourselves. Christ came, Christ left the glories of heaven for our sake. For people who were his enemies. We should be able to take that example of Christ and his coming and his love for us. And turn around and pass that on to those around us. Specifically during a time of year when those people are looking for the answers to their God-given desires. We cannot miss out on this. And just like Adam mentioned before, we're going to have a time where we're able to share how we were able to, to communicate the source of those desires that they have. Just simply sharing the gospel. And I know that for a time it may be awkward to sit here in silence. But I told Adam and Tyson, I hope that one day that 10 minutes is exciting. And that we look forward to it. We look forward to seeing how God provided opportunities. How God led people just like they did last night. How God leads people to... To our body for us to have the opportunity to share the gospel. I hope that it's, I hope that 10 minutes isn't enough for us to share. And it should be, or it shouldn't be enough time for us to share because the need is so great. Um, I'm going to pray for us and, um, Adam's going to come up. And again, I'm thankful to be able to share a message that I am longing to figure out for myself and identify myself in the middle of the anticipation so that I can worship Christ more fully during this season. But at the same time, I'm also challenging myself to look outside of myself during this season. So, and I hope that you guys will too. Okay, um, so let's pray. Father, we are just extremely humbled that you saw us in our wretched state, that you saw us in our helpless state, and you provided a Savior for us. We are thankful for this season. We are thankful to be able to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Something that was anticipated for thousands of years. Father, I pray for us, the body of believers, that in the weeks leading up to Christmas... That our relationship with you would grow more meaningful, would grow deeper, as we realize that 
the anticipation was fulfilled through the birth of our Savior, the birth of our Rescuer, and that one day our current anticipation will be fulfilled through the coming of our King, our everlasting King, Jesus Christ. Father, bring us opportunities to reach out to those around us with the gospel, with the good news. And may we be confident in your design, confident in your plans for our lives, confident in the gospel. Lord, we are so thankful that we can trust you. We are so thankful that you love us, that you use us this season so that others will know the true source of joy, hope, and peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.